Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peach Reese 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Glad to have with us here in studio it is the county executive of the county of erie uh mr brenton davis how are you sir i'm good joel how are you i'm i'm excellent uh i'm i'm glad to have you uh on the program here on this gorgeous day and uh, of course you're able to uh just kind of walk over from the courthouse right i mean or were you were you you were well, i was out and hard. about so i had to drive back here for this you know but it will make the special trip you know just well to- thank you um, all right, so, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get our video going here. Uh, so tell me about uh, like what has been kind of, uh, you know, making things really, uh, you know, complicated for you this month or or what's kind of been consuming your, your time, do you think? Well, I don't think anything's terribly complicated. I think it's just uh, we've got a lot of moving parts, a lot of parallel initiatives. I mean, we have... We have the fire and EMS crisis we're working hard to solve and appropriately fund. You know, we've got uh, the last allocations, the American Rescue Plan money, and how we can intelligently invest that in our community's future. You know, we've got broadband. We've got infrastructure. We've got gap funding. You know, there's just a lot of different things, a lot of different moving parts. But I would say those are those are really the, the main efforts at this point. Obviously, the airport dealing with you know, the different moving parts there and what's the long-term sustainable strategy and solution for that. So, you know, kind of working in lockstep with many groups to solve those issues. You yeah. know, that's that's really where the bulk of our, you know, we're in the heat of union negotiations now. I believe we have uh, five of the seven groups settled. So, I mean, we're ahead of schedule. You know, people didn't expect the Republican administration to do as well as we did with the the union negotiations there's still two out there and uh but for the most part we've been able to not substantially raise the county's debt but put forward a substantial pay increase to kind of right some of the wrongs of the past and uh you know pay folks a little closer to what they're worth to the best of our ability so i mean those are all things that are that are going on right now and everything moves on that parallel track so i mean i kind of equate that to you know, spinning a bunch of plates, you know, you yeah, can't, sure. you can't stop spinning one mm-hmm. or it's going to fall. So, I mean, we're kind of, uh, we're burning the midnight oils in a lot of places, but you know, like always we get it done. 
talk about uh, human services because one one of those things that seems to be where the greatest um, need for workers is, you know, in OCY, uh, Office of Children and Youth, and in other direct human services. And are wages keeping up with the reality on the ground of, of trying to recruit people? Yes, I mean, luckily we're fortunate with DHSs. There's a lot of state funding, so the county is well, a pass-through entity for these different services. A lot, a lot of it's mandated. The state provides some funding, but unfortunately there's a lot of things that are mandated but unfunded. Mm-hmm. And that's really what catches the county kind of at a deficit. You know, the state says, hey, you got to do X, Y, and Z, but then there's no money for it. Yeah. And that affects a lot of government entities. You know, so those are things that we got to work, you know, through the legislature to kind of tackle in the areas that we see. But unfortunately, I mean, OCY specifically, there was a right around a 30% vacancy or 28% vacancy that once I took office, I think it was in the 30s. Now we've got it down to the low 20s. Okay. And, uh, you know, just putting forward a pay plan, you know, for these folks, they do tough work, you know. I mean, things like OCY and the, the, the child abuse and taking taking those things into consideration it's not an easy job you know nobody wants to deal with those situations and obviously you can imagine they're inflammatory when you're telling someone we're taking your kids you know it's not what you like to do and obviously it's a last resort but you know they work hard and uh you know we're thankful for the work that they do so putting forward a uh an aggressive pay plan a lot of that was offset by the state you know there's some incentives there and i think we were able to kind of elevate that at least it's a step in the right direction i mean obviously you can't do everything you would hope to do Mm -hmm. like you could do in the private sector but then again at the end of the day your market is going to set what you can pay you know for us we're limited by the finances that we have and you know we got to look across the board and say who was taken care of in the past where are our deficits and where are our needs and obviously you need to really pay attention to those critical needs where folks are leaving because of other opportunities elsewhere, you know, places like the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of folks, you know, that's probably our, our, our most critical area at this point. Really? You, Could you, correction officers, are, mm-hmm. you're having a hard time recruiting there? Huh? So, I mean, that's just, you know, we lowered the age to 18, you know, so oh, if you wow. have a driver's license and a high school diploma and a clean criminal record, I mean, you can come to the county prison. We have run the academy. And you can go right to work making a decent wage out of the gate. You know, I mean, obviously that's one of the unions that aren't settled, you know, so we'll see kind of how that goes. But, uh, you know, my administration came in realistic with what the pandemic has done to our economy. And you've got to keep your employees in line with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we can't do it all in one fell swoop. I mean, there's just not enough of the block of cheese to go around. But, you know, we worked hard to to be fair, but also to look historically at the past to see where pay raises were done and where they weren't done. And to kind of, to bring up the bottom of the pay scale, you know, a lot of folks starting out entry level jobs, you know, and it creates a little compression, which I mean, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, but you know, you get another bite at the apple in four years and no one's ever really happy with any negotiation as it is, but you know, you got to find that happy medium. And uh, so far I'm, I'm real happy with my staff and my attorneys and the folks that are negotiating these deals and you know i i didn't really believe in playing games with it you know yeah. i mean this is what we can afford this is where we're at you know there's no sense in lowballing people for their hard work and uh i feel like we put forward a uh, fair negotiation and you know i look forward to wrapping the last two up and and moving forward 
We've got a phone call here. Hi, uh, caller. You're live with County Executive Brenton Davis here on Talk Erie. Uh, Mr. Davis, a uh, quick question. That facility at the Mercyhurst campus out in uh, Northeast that are bringing in those immigrant kids, are, uh, is the county going to have any oversight or any uh, uh, interest in maintaining the, uh, uh, the integrity of the facility out there in reference to the, the care? And So, I mean, uh, I, I guess I'll stop you right there I, I, because I'll that's, that's a... That's a hundred percent not true. So I mean, there is no plan to bring migrant kids there. We had that meeting, I don't know, several weeks ago. It's just one option of many. You know, I've talked to the leadership. You know, we set up the meeting between the residents of Northeast and the borough to meet directly with the contractor, a potential contractor, and the ownership of Granite Ridge now. And uh, you know, I think they heard the community loud and clear. And you know, I I made my opinion on the matter very clear to these folks that, you know, I realistically wouldn't be in support of anything like that i mean just the changes of that community and what it would bring oh. there so i mean okay, I, I, uh, go ahead so i mean to me i think that's just a moot point i mean it was just an option and i, I just don't see it realistically even clear in hhs at this point yeah. okay so you're of the opinion it's not going to happen not if we have anything to do with it thanks for the call i appreciate it all right um I want you mentioned Northeast. I want to go to you have a meeting uh, about EMS in Northeast. Um, let's talk about EMS here a second, and and I I, I want to kind of backstep a second here and talk about county gaming revenue because mm-hmm. I'm losing track, Brent, of where of how much is out there and how it's divided up. So, for example, how much is controlled by the county, but it's not already encumbered, I guess. And how much is controlled by the Gaming Revenue Board? Well, I mean, I would argue that the county controls all of it, you know, by virtue of the appointments on ECRA. Mm-hmm. It's county funds, it's taxpayer funds. So let's let's put this into perspective. I mean, we're, we were just at a press conference for ECRA this morning. And it's not to take away any of the work that's been done in the past. There's been some great projects and some things that have come out of there. We're the only county out of 67 that does what we do with this additional bureaucracy that we pay an executive director. We pay for folks to do the same grant writing and approval process that we do at the county with a grants department and county council. You know, so when talking to my peers across the state, I mean, they just look at this and and think, okay, well, if you spend 500 to a million dollars a year in overhead infrastructure, benefits, paying for somebody's doctorate, you know, like we have in the past there, you know, how does that benefit the taxpayer? I mean, even if, let's say, even if it's half a million dollars, that's a half a million dollars of gaming revenue that's spent on bureaucracy that they're already paying for as taxpayers in county government. You know, so there's a lot of things that we need to, this is part of the hard conversations is we can still have all the nice things that ECRA's provided, but we need to really start prioritizing where this money goes. You know, obviously there's a commitment at one time or another before my tenure to the community college. You know, there's different things that we fund. Is with. that like 1.7 at this point? I mean, I don't have the numbers. Okay, I yeah. mean, like I, I have $600 million a year. I mean, to pull out one right, right, item yeah, right. studying, I don't Understood. even try. Understood. But yeah, there is a commitment until they get uh, their middle states uh, ranking. Uh, the idea is to 
to have free tuition or to be at least close to that? Well, I mean, that's promises the past. I mean, promises mm-hmm. the past and reality is the future are two totally different things. You know, I mean, the pandemic happened, things change, you know, and there's different needs, mm-hmm. you know, so what that's going to look like in the future. I mean, we just got to find a way. But I mean, to me, typically every year, $4 million of money goes to ECRA, $4 million comes to the county. So I mean, kind of split that there in the middle. Okay, that's and, that's and, how it's coming out. And, right and, now. and that part, you know, so do are there on the county side? Are there encumbrances? Well, we have the community college encumbrance. Are there any other encumbrances? Because remember, you know, I mean, there's, we, a, we, there's we, a lot of things historically that we do. So let's we take, we pay uh, the for the uh, the runway, but that should be paid off by. Oh, now. that's been long paid off. Yeah, but like uh, say like GCAC, your AAA. I mean, that's another example. I mean. It's the area six, 700 on I mean, eight, yeah. just like we had last year or you know the, the, this time or maybe spring of last year when you know the pushback came from gcac you've got entities that again it's the only one in the state that doesn't operate within the confines of what the pennsylvania lottery allocates for older pennsylvanians you know so i mean again here's another example where erie county is the only standout for having a gaming revenue authority for allocating hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to their triple c which is gcac um their community that, that's coming out of gaming revenue it's coming not, out of gaming revenue not from, from the, the county. lottery no that's coming well so they get the entire allotment i think it's 5.1 million or whatever it is from the lotto and then they come to the county taxpayers for additional gaming revenue and, and, and that's my issue is, I mean, these nonprofits, I mean, and that's something that's coming this week. You know, we're looking at, we've got this EMS crisis, we've got this airport, we've got all these different community issues. And, you know, a nonprofit serves a purpose, you know, and a lot of them, I mean, they're great missions. However, a lot of them aren't carrying their own water in terms of fundraising. Part of being a nonprofit is fundraising. Mm-hmm. And when you only do three four five percent of your revenue and fundraising and then you come to the taxpayers with your handout i have a problem with that you know it's the fact that they've grown accustomed to this is their money mm-hmm. when this is an annual grant a grant means you apply for it every year and when you get comfortable where you feel entitled to a grant that's when i have a problem because needs of a community change and it doesn't say that their needs aren't great it doesn't say it's not a viable program or a good program but like again you know i said to a guy today you know he was asking me about fire and ems at this thing in edinburgh and i said look i said this is the way i'll say this you know when comparing these grants to the fire and ems crisis it's much like imagine losing your arm in a car accident and you're laying in the highway and you're bleeding out and instead of the guy coming up and putting a tourniquet on your arm, he wants to comb your hair. And that makes about as much sense. When you live in a community where you can't get an ambulance and people die because it's underserved, you know, we have not enough manpower, we're not paying wages for professional services, and we're given things like gardens are great. Who doesn't like a garden? But what garden has saved somebody's life? You know, and when that's your loved one out there, where are you going to fall on that? Brenton Davis, hey, we got a, a text here. Can we get a clearer view of where the $5 vehicle registration money is being directed? I just noticed that. Simple. Uh, bridges. Uh, but here locally, your bridges? Yes. The, the five so, bucks? So, so the MPO. So say, for yeah. instance, so the best example is look at the bridge over Cockwell at the, at the Yacht Club. Yeah. You know, it was rumored that... Uh, 
some numbers were played to get that bridge to kind of come higher on the priorities list before my tenure. Mm -hmm. But uh, that $5 registration fee, that's to replace all the bridges and infrastructure. So actually, we're further ahead of the power curve in terms of like critical bridges. So look at the bridges like the one that collapsed in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. It's so we don't have things like that. So, you know, now that I'm on the inside and I kind of see where these funds go, I mean, five bucks a year to drive across the bridge or all the bridges and make sure they don't collapse like that one. I mean, that to me is a yeah. small price to pay. Yeah, sure. Otherwise, these townships don't have that kind of money. So let's say, for instance, a small township, let's say uh, well, no, Green Township. Right. You want to replace a bridge. And some of these bridges, I mean, they're on the other side of seven figures for a tiny little bridge, six, oh $800,000. Where do these little townships come up with that money? So we come up with it collectively because mm -hmm. we all use the infrastructure. So a township will come up with, say, 250000 of it, and then the county will come in with the other six fifty from that $5 registration, and that's what pays for the bridges. All right, so there's some, some better clarity here. All right, let's go back to gaming revenue and the idea that uh, priorities change. And right now, would you say that emergency medical services for you is in the top three of your priorities? I would say emergency medical services should be in the top priority for every resident because if they could see what's going on in 911, what's going on with these ambulance services and these fire companies and how a lot of them struggle, how how often your local fire department and EMS provider is not in service to provide service. Mm. I mean, there, there's some companies in Erie County. I mean, obviously, Albion Fire Department just closed. I mean, shut down. And then you back it up. I mean, there's probably a, a small handful of companies that are open less than 20% of the time. I mean, there's some fire companies that are only open, I think, last month, nine hours. Wow. Nine hours able to render service. But the local communities are funding 100% of that bill. The power still needs paid. The, the insurance still needs to be done. The, the workforce still needs to be trained. That's why this is such a critical need, you know. It's, it's, it's the shortage of the volunteerism. I mean, there's many reasons why you know, we're having the EMS issue that we're having. You know, a confusing part of this, too, is the complaint that we got from Perry Highway is that they were having to come into the city for mutual aid that uh, on medical calls. Are you getting a lot of that pushback, too? So that's a fact. That's 100% fact. And under state licensure, medical providers, EMS providers... They're required under state law to provide mutual aid. So you cannot conserve your own resources when your neighbor's neighboring township's house is on fire. Somebody calling for 911. Sure, sure. You can't say we're not sending an ambulance because we paid for this. So, I mean, that's. But what their complaint is, is that uh, the e EMS here in the city is doing other things other than emergency and, and, uh, transport. And they, and they are. But what you got to remember is this I mean, obviously, EmergiCare is a private entity, mm -hmm. you know? So. I mean, they've got to make their revenue like anybody else. And they have different contracts out all across the county. And it's a complicated issue. But what it really comes down to at the end of the day is that we've got folks getting free lunch. They're getting a free ride. you got townships and different municipalities, the city of Erie included, that do not pay for EMS. So, I mean, what that looks like is it kind of creates a, a Robin Peter to pay Paul. And then you get like a summit township. Rightfully so, they get upset because now... They're paying million dollars a year to fund an ambulance that's running all the way out to Northeast. It's running into the city. And then you're not getting the Medicare, Medicaid reimbursements. You know, 
they don't make money at it. I mean, let's face yeah. it. I mean, every time your ambulance goes out the door, you're pretty much losing money. And that's why this needs to be collectively funded. We need to do it wall to wall across the county. And we need to eliminate those that are enjoying the free free lunch. Because I'll tell you, if you're a resident in a township right now and you're funding an ambulance or whether it's gaming revenue, it doesn't matter. That's still your township's revenue, your borough's revenue. Your tax dollars or your entitled dollars from the casino are going to fund somebody else's services in a township that they're not picking up their bill. So, I mean, imagine that. You go sit down in a restaurant. Mm. You eat dinner, you enjoy your meal, and the family of four eats, and now you have a bill for 12. It's because these eight other people sitting around you, they didn't pay their bill where you're picking it up. And that's exactly what's happened with fire and EMS. I noticed that you're not bringing your your buddy Chris Carroll. He's, you know, I mean, we we like when Chris comes, you we, know. We had to let him go on a vacation. <laughs> okay. Well, he just had a baby, too, so, you know. I mean, you know, it's no excuse. Come to work, you know. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he's kind of like the enforcer. Anyway, I just, no, you, 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 you do fine just uh, by yourself. All right, we're going to totally pivot uh, uh, because EMS obviously is, is a huge issue. We can talk for forever on it but i i gotta get to some of these other issues uh you had an announcement we just heard it on the news uh, just now about the broadband up in summit and i want to pick your brain on what is your broadband strategy for erie county because i feel like um we're we're, we're a few years behind as far as the execution of it and i think you you want to get us caught up so i mean so I mean, a part, I mean, obviously the private sector, I mean, kind of went as far as it could go. So, I mean, you look at the cost of some folks are like, oh my goodness, it was 44 homes for X amount of dollars. You know, that's like 10 grand a home. It seems exorbitant. Well, there's nothing remote in Summit Township. Mm -hmm. So what we need to look at, I mean, so we have one of the most aggressive FCC broadband challenge maps in the country. I mean, we've had folks from Arizona and out West working with our GIS folks Explain to, what that challenge was. Basically, you're so, telling the FCC so that we're not covered. 100%. So the problem is, is you get these internet service providers that tout, this is the coverage that we have, like cell phone coverage. And they want right. to say that like they have this great coverage to get people to buy it. Well, then they're relying on that map, which is a garbage map. And for us to challenge it to say, hey, wait a minute, like this is underserved. This is unserved. This has this speed as opposed to this speed. So it's kind of like the reality behind the curtain of Oz that they're trying to sell you sure. with the, you know, the marketing strategy of an internet service provider. So for us to be able to aggressively do that and show the need, which is why we reserved the ARPA funding and I wasn't allowing broadband money to go out the door. And some folks kind of got upset by that, but this is the long-term strategy. Well, now they see the broadband authority and, you know, everything taking place with the state. Now we're going to leverage the two and a half million that we've reserved for a 10 to $12 million application to the state to max out whatever the state maximum is. And uh, hopefully we're successful in getting that. I know we're far ahead of most of our counterparts in Pennsylvania because, I mean, we have this data. We've been doing this for the last year. We've got uh, Jessica Moran, the GIS folks, the broadband people, um, down there working on these projects you know the community came forward and challenged it and that gives us the data that we need to say we're underserved but what so, we need to look at i was gonna say talk about speeds though because some of us would say you know i mean it's not about speed and that's what we need to get that right out this is right. it, it, to, to me this is about service so we need to look at the most disadvantaged areas and they're typically the rural areas so am i going to bring high speed internet is the county or broadband authority going to bring faster internet to the city no we're not you know, we're looking at the folks that 
are in a parking lot at a McDonald's somewhere during the pandemic that had absolutely no internet at their house, there's still unserved areas in Erie yeah, County. School you know, District. I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, yeah, you kind of get, you, you yeah. get out into the, the southwest and southeast, you know, and there's other areas in Erie County that are unserved completely. You know, I mean, I had to pay $4,000 to run internet to my own house, and I live right in Mill Creek, not far from Mercyhurst, you know. So it's really not that crazy, but the problem is, is it's going to be an expensive bill, and this is the reason why government needs to do this. You know, this is every bit as uh, critical as having electricity or water to your home or plumbing now. You know, without broadband, I mean, you, you, you basically can't exist, at least in function in society. So you're setting your community behind by not having it. So we're going to work backwards from the rural areas, the most unserved, and then work back towards the urban core. And the reason for that being is, is so we don't end up with forgotten people, you know, the completely unserved. I mean, that's great. Like people are saying, I only have so much speed and I live in Harbor Creek or whatever. Okay, but you're not the person that has absolutely nothing, you know. So those are the strategies that I plan to implement moving forward. And again, it's why the pri- why the public sector sector has to get into this, because if it's not if the juice isn't worth the squeeze for the private sector, they're not going to spend massive amounts of money to not be able to get that return from, you know, mm-hmm. five customers out in Amity Township somewhere. Yeah, but, but I isn't mean, there an economic development interest though in having a modern? Uh, high-speed internet accessibility for your business clients, for your commercial well, there's clients? Well, noth- there's nothing to say that that's there, but, I mean, my argument is the private sector is going to have to take care of that. Okay. You know, the government's not there. You know, I mean, you've got velocity net rate downtown. You know, you've got the business demand. I mean, these folks can pay for that. You know, we need to take care of the folks that are at the bottom of the ladder. And, I mean, you, whether you look at this for internet or whether you look at this economically in terms of, marginalized or you know different marginalized communities don't have the same economic opportunities same thing that we're doing with the community college and workforce development programs we need to do with broadband i mean that's part of this rural revival Mm. that i've started you know it's these forgotten corners that haven't even gotten dial up after how many years has the internet been around gosh that's crazy uh uh, you're live with county executive brenton davis here on talk erie go ahead yes good afternoon brenton um, I was wondering about the assessment on the authorities and specifically the housing authority. Um, my grandfather was on the board for years until he was 91 years old. But anyway, there's, I would through the phone books they print every month at their meetings. And it's amazing to me that they even receive federal money or state money or any money at all with the amount of money that they have stashed in 26 different banks across the country i'm wondering how whatever happened to the assessment that was done on the authorities i mean i'm not let him answer off the line thank you uh go ahead yes i mean i mean to me i can't even give you an intelligent answer to that i mean i'm not even certain what he's even really talking about as far as assessments to authorities so i mean that's something i guess you can send an email and see if somebody can see if somebody can answer that some research for you all right um the 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 broadband is is certainly one thing uh, that is kind of mission critical the airport is another thing that's mission critical um at the beginning of the month we lost the the united uh, service here mm-hmm. I, i'm surprised that they didn't like reconsider i mean once I'm they made not, the I'm, announcement I'm, I'm not at all i mean this has happened to our counterparts and 
you know, dozens, if not hundreds of airports across the country. I mean, you, you look at how the, I mean, we, we can't be shocked. You know, you adapt or you go away. You know, I mean, that's the simple fact of the matter is you look at the business models have changed. You know, you look at how the airline industries are going to these giant Airbus models that can move 300 people as opposed to 100 or 50. Now the pilots are paid the same whether they're flying a 300-person bus or Airbus or whether they're flying a 50-passenger plane out of Erie. So, I mean, just the return on investment isn't as great for these airlines so when they can move more so people. So because the regional jet airline pilots used to get junk r wages... That's how the whole system worked. Well, I don't know if that's and entire, there was a, and there was a is, lot of them. That's you know? one of the major. Well, then that's a hundred percent. I mean, you can't. I mean, these guys are retiring. You look at the pilots. I mean, I know guys that are coming out of retirement from airline pilots to pick up because it's just become so lucrative. You know, so there is that supply and demand issue. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the cost of fuel. You look at all these different things. I mean, the airport is a complicated issue. You know, I mean, our cost per employment is substantially higher than a lot of other places. So we've got to drive that down more into the five, six dollar range. And it's a, in the twenties. Right it's now, in the right? it's like about twenty one ish mm-hmm. right now. You know, and it's actually come down from closer to thirty. You know, so there's a lot of things that we've got to do in order to be competitive here. You know, and it's not just one or two things. And then again, it goes back to kind of this gaming revenue. You know, we've got this talk of raising a private fund. You know, the chambers kind of taking taking the uh the storm with the private sector and trying to get folks together to build a private sector fund matched by the public sector well again everybody looks at that public sector and you know it's a finite amount of money you know so when okay well what do we have we don't have any mechanisms locally for economic development to say yeah let me just cut you a check for a million and a half this year guys like here it is let's bring all the flights back you know, to incentivize this and be competitive. We've got to keep in mind all these other places that do are doing this. So folks that complain or say, what are we doing? Well, it's you're either going to compete or you're going to have an airport so bad even the birds won't land on it. You know, I mean, that's the reality and we're not far off from that. And it's it's really nothing against the airport board folks. You know, this is a market condition that we're in and coming out of the pandemic, I mean, the economics have changed. I mean, in the workforce all across so we've got to adapt to this new world, and that's where folks got to really realize that a lot of things that used to be have to change. And if we need to use gaming revenue to save our airport, then that's what we need to do. But then, you know, there's a bunch of folks that, like we talked about earlier in this segment, that are nonprofits that are accustomed to getting this funding. You know, we've, we're putting them on notice to say, hey, listen, this next year is going to be a tight budget year for the county. And I have no intentions of raising taxes, so we got to make do with what we have. And that sometimes that means going without. I mean, to me, I equate that to you need the new roof. Mom and dad need the new roof. Well, get, guess what gets cut? Vacations or whatever it is. You've got to tighten your belt in order to make it. And, and this is what we've got to do. Until we can create another mechanism that funds these initiatives, then... And mind you, when government talks about creating a mechanism, it's squeezing money, revenue, it's a fee, it's a tax, it's something of that nature. You know, and there's a few things in the works that wouldn't be like a property tax or whatever, but ways that we can get money back from the state and the feds and be creative. But that all takes legislation and that all takes time. We need to deal in the here and now and the reality of tomorrow as it exists. You know, not pie in the sky. 
that gaming revenue is what we have. So you've got a lot of entities that are accustomed to getting this and they're going to be upset because they rely on it. Well, I'm telling them right now, if they're out there listening and they're accustomed to getting it, if, it, if it's a choice between an airport and EMS, those are critical needs. Like if our business community is getting strangled to the point where they can't get in and out, you've got a convention center, you've got local universities that rely on this to get students in and out. These are huge economic drivers, huge workforce development drivers. We need to support those hubs first. This is a matter of critical triage. It's nothing against any of those programs, but I'm letting them know now, you better be having your fundraisers. You better tune it up because if you, if you, if you want that revenue, you're going to have to raise that yourself. You're well connected. Uh, a couple, a couple of questions here. Are you hearing any relief, whether it is from uh, Senator Laughlin or Representatives uh, Mursky or Harkins or Bizarro about a state uh, resolution? Because I, my understanding is Ohio is much more ahead of Pennsylvania when it comes to supporting their airports. So how they do that is through Jobs Ohio. So again, we're like back to the GCAC thing with the AAA. The Pennsylvania lottery benefits older Pennsylvanians. Well, that's why Ohio's kicking our tail. Every nickel of their lotto money goes towards economic development. That's their mechanism. We've just chosen all those years ago to take care of our elderly. I mean, we have a responsibility to do that. That is the mechanism that was set up many decades ago. I mean, I can remember ever since I was a kid, the Pennsylvania lottery benefits older Pennsylvanians. It's just... That is the mechanism. It's been left alone. You know, I wouldn't advocate for changing that. I mean, we have a lot of services that we need to support. But again, you know, it, it comes back to that's those are the communities investing in themselves and they have a mechanism for doing that. Erie County in Pennsylvania is among some of the worst in the country in terms of economic development and you having these mechanisms to invest in ourselves to make our area attractive for business to keep our taxation low to be attractive for business, but also at the end of the day to be able to cut that deal to attract those companies to keep the airlines. I mean, it's a very complicated, you know, economic landscape and, you know, obviously legislative landscape too. I mean, these issues compound and it creates a situation that's hard to navigate through, but we got to do the best with what we've got. You know, we can continue to work with our legislators to try to compete with these other places. But again, it's not going to happen overnight. I have to deal with the confines of reality as it is now for the future that's inevitably going to come next year. So, like you I said... you think it's going to get worse? I mean, I, I don't have a magic crystal ball. I think yeah. like anything, you need, you need to look at things with a conservative mindset mm -hmm. and prepare for the worst and hope for the best, you know? What and, about your peer or uh, peer counties and things or, or peer markets you know these non-hub markets do you think that they're cleaning our clock there's there's about 70 of them uh, many of them have lost service but uh maybe not as dramatically as erie county well i think a lot of it's a cost per employment i mean so think about it i mean it's a business decision for these airlines if i told you that let's say for instance i don't know you you, you sell apples and in my market it's going to cost you 25 cents to sell every apple. But then you can go across the street and that guy charges a nickel. I mean, that's what's happening. I mean, where are you going to go? You're like, I make 20 cents more on every apple just letting this guy sell across the street. I mean, like these airlines aren't hurting. And the thing is, is you have a half a million people serviced in this hub by Cleveland, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. And we all know the reality of that. Yeah. You know, we're going to, these airlines know we're going to get in a car 
And we're going to drive over there and we're going to utilize those airports. So, I mean, a lot of this is hanging on to the paradigms of the past. If these municipal airports, if we don't get competitive and we don't re-envision how we operate, I mean, we're going to have a concrete slab to absolutely nowhere. And and that's why... I mean, that's what they have in, in Youngstown. It's a concrete well, slab I mean, to nowhere. We're not that far off with only four flights right now. Yeah. I mean, anybody that says otherwise needs to get your eyeballs and your head examined. You know, we have to have realistic conversations. We can't put our head in the sand any longer. This has been an eerie and eerie county thing to do for many decades. And we've talked about this, the managed decline. This is all a part of it. We didn't get proactive a long time ago. We saw these flights coming. We saw it dwindling. And then a thing like an unforeseen thing, like the pandemic that completely changed the economics of the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's changed things forever. It's not going back to the way that it was. We need to be aggressive in getting into the post-pandemic economy. Just like I said when I was running, we need to be aggressive about this. And it's going to take investments. It's going to take tightening our belt. And it's going to take being creative and working like hell to make sure that we can catch up to our competition. We've got to be willing to make the sacrifices as a community. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be farmers and pitchforks when things get their funding cut. But we have no choice. That's the burden of leadership. You make the tough decisions. You, you, you know, you have to answer for them. You have to accept the, the consequences of that and stand behind it. And we're prepared to do that. Do you see places where, whether it's at the courthouse or in, in just the overall way of doing things, that quote, managing of decline, do you see some waste? I mean, is there still uh, battles to be fought on the expense side of public uh of the public sector. Well, it's like anything. I mean, it's a system that's kind of set up to fail. You know, I mean, you, you look at it, and again, we just talked about union negotiations. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's certain things you can and can't do, and you're, and, you're, and you're kind of hamstrung into this contract, you know, and it is what it is. I mean, it's a system that, again, you have to focus on the things that you can change, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've learned very quickly, or maybe not as quickly as I should have in the first 18 months, that you need to pick your battles, you need to pick your battles because you'll spend your entire day running around chasing your tail, looking at, the, at the, the finite things that could drive you crazy, I mean, fiscally or even organizationally. But you need to look at the bigger picture, the macro economy. What are the things that really affect our community? That's simple. You know, I mean, you got the EMS crisis, you got the airport, you got folks that need broadband, you got businesses that need broadband, you've, you've got workforce development issues to provide a, a trained workforce for the private sector, be able to create the jobs for the kids and the unemployed and underemployed. What are we missing there quickly? So you're saying in the workforce? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got, a, we've got some exciting stuff coming. Um, I mean, we have a community college. We've got so, trade so, schools. So you know? to me, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's really getting that firing. I mean, one, we need to get it accredited so we can get more money out of the state. I mean, right now we're unfairly burdened. You know, we've got a community college and the taxpayers, we were, we were sold that this wouldn't cost the taxpayers any money. Well, they're full of crap. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I hate to tell you, we're going to take a big wet bite and we're going to fund this and we have to do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that spent my own money mm -hmm. fighting it because they said it wasn't going to cost taxpayer money. They swore up and down it wouldn't. Well, I'm here sitting there telling you on the inside it's going to cost taxpayer money. And we have no other choice. It doesn't make it a bad investment. Thank the Lord we're not doing basket weaving and English classes and all these other silly things that all these other universities can offer. It, it's, it's, we, we've got a great uh, community college president that gets workforce development. We've got a board that's supportive of that. 
you know, we just did the graduation welding certificates and, you know, we've made major investments in CNC machining and we've got a really exciting uh, workforce development initiative that I think is going to absolutely blow people's socks off. I can't say anything more about it, um, but, but the ink is almost dry and uh, I think it's going to be a game changer for Erie County's community. I look forward to uh, announcing that here shortly. All right, we've, we're going to bring this plane in for a landing, so to speak, with the county executive, Brenton Davis. Is that in Latrobe? <laughs> in Latrobe. Uh, the, uh, the, the amazing thing is, is that, um, you know, uh, we, we talk about kind of turning the ship around, right? I mean, the idea, managed decline, uh, losing population, uh, you know, lots of jobs being available and and nobody to work there uh what do you think is going to be like priorities in this uh second into third quarter for you here uh, as we go into the summer it's everything we just talked about yeah you know what i mean it's really just realigning i'd say this financial landscape it's getting these organizations to understand that we've got hard cuts coming mm. because we've got some big bills that we need to figure out how to pay. And keep in mind, the city's a partner in this, and they have absolutely no money to be able to put towards the airport. Right. You know, so I mean, what do we do? Do you let your airport flounder, and now you've got a giant convention center, you've got an airport, you've got multi-hundred million dollar assets that are going to flounder because you can't get people in and out of our community, or you're limiting the ability just to drive here by their suitcases. It's under-leveraged asset. It's an under-leveraged resource. We've really got to focus on these critical areas. Yeah. Fire and EMS. I mean, that's a big one. Broadband's a big one. The airport's a big one. Those are things we're focusing on this summer. Do you think that things have settled down with the DEI commission so that some of these uh, organizations that were... I'm, I'm thinking about the owner of Pineapple Eddie's. Promise Money is still waiting and things are just... Okay, so let's get that straight. There wasn't anything promised. Just because you apply for a grant doesn't mean you're getting it. And again, that's that's an eerie mentality that folks apply for stuff and just assume because it's like, oh, I put in a job application. Well, I'm going to get hired. Mm. You have a chance at getting hired. That doesn't mean there's a guarantee. And I mean, nothing against them. Like, right. I mean, the owners of Pineapple Eddie's, their son and I, we're great friends. You know, so I mean, but to me, I told him the same thing. I don't play favorites. Period. I don't care if you're a brother, sister, cousin, friend, whatever. The same rules apply for everybody. And and you can apply, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. You know, the DEI commission has failed to raise a single dollar beyond what the county has given or very little from maybe ECRA, which is still county, and maybe a little bit from the community foundation, but maybe in, in, in the low six figures, 100000 or whatever it is. Yeah. You're talking four and a half million bucks. Like, you know, I've sent Gary Lee and I've sent them several resources federally to apply for these other grants. Whether they've done it or not, that's up to them. I'm done tripping over these nickels. These folks Mm -hmm. are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to get that out the door or they're not. They're going to leverage it or they're not. But at the end of the day, we're not replenishing that $3.5 million. You know, they've got to work on what they have. And and you look at how we've done all all of our other ARPA investments. We've turned money and we made money. We've leveraged it every single dollar. And, you know, the expectation for them is no different. We'll leave it there. County Executive Brenton Davis, always appreciate your candor, sir. Thanks so much. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>